I, um, I feel like Paul this morning in that I am surrounded by um, people who love God, who are growing, and are equipped and anointed to speak the truth to those around you. Amen. And it is amazing. It's an amazing feeling that as a pastor, I'm not coming here to fix you. I'm coming here to continue to build you up. Amen. In your most holy faith. Amen. Uh, I don't think any of us can fix anyone. I think those who are fooled into thinking they can, I think they're the most miserable because you're just you're working on something that's never going to get done. You can't fix anyone. They have to fix. They have to make the decision to want to receive. And then after they make the decision to receive, only Christ can transform an individual. No one else. No one else. Only the power of Christ. It goes back to your roots. And your roots are in him. He created you. Amen. And only the, only the manufacturer can fix you. Amen. He's the only one available. And we just go back to his manual if we're looking for fixing. Amen. I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about building. Um, what, I've, what I've just, you know, um, I don't know, many of you may live in the home you built. You may live in the home you have rebuilt, remodeled. Um, I can tell you this. Building new is so much easier than rebuilding and remodeling. Amen. And in the ministry, there's, we, we've had this, I guess, some kind of a, a thought. Maybe we've carried it. But it's been an idea that maybe, you know, we're trying to, we get something fresh and new, and we're trying to get it in somebody else. Okay? Paul described us here, and I'll just, I'll just read it to you very quickly before we go any further. It's part of the passage today. It's in Romans chapter 15. Out of the, out of the um, Passion Translation, and it will be in verse 20, he said, it is my honor and constant passion. And there's the thing, every, everything you do cannot be done, anything you do cannot be done if you're going to get God's involvement in it. It cannot be done out of duty or necessity. Did you hear me? Cannot be done out of duty or necessity. This is where we, we, we see our greatest failure. We cannot do it out of obligation. And we cannot put obligation on others. Biggest pitfall that pastors fall into is the pitfall of obligation. I know going through seminary, they, they just put the obligation on you left and right, what your duties were to the people and what you had to do and what you needed to do. And, and what ends up is you end up, I saw so many pastors as I got out there in the field that they were doing, and it was just an empty shell. They were just doing it because it was a duty. It was done because it's what you're supposed to do. It's what's expected of the pastor. It's the obligation that comes along with pastoring. And what happens is whatever's going on with that leader, you must understand, whatever goes on with that leader goes down to the people. 
And then before you know it, they're operating out of an obligation or a duty. And somewhere we've lost passion. We've lost, Jesus was moved and then he would pray for somebody and healing would take place. Jesus was not obligated. It didn't, the Bible never said, well, there was a cripple and Jesus knew this is what I'm called to do. I'm obligated. So he went over and prayed for them and they were healed. You always see Jesus was moved. Even with Lazarus when he died and they said, hey, he's already dead. What the, what the next thing you saw Jesus do? Jesus wept. It's the only place you see in the Bible Jesus wept. He wept because of the passion and compassion he had toward this situation he was walking into. Jesus was always moved by compassion or a passion for truth and, and, and truth to be revealed. Blindness was not truth, that is a lie manifested. Jesus came and brought truth, manifested truth, and they begin to see. Right? Because the first thing they want to do every time they brought somebody to Jesus, they, they said, well, this must have been from their youth up. They must have done something. It must be in the family. Must be. There was only always a reason why these people were in deficit. You read the, go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It always a deficit. And they're always trying to get Jesus to focus on the deficit. And sometimes Jesus would st stop and teach about it, and sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he felt like there was a need, and sometimes he just felt like, I'm not, you're wasting my words on this. Jesus was always moved with passion. Did you know the Bible, I've told you this over and over again, that there's things in this grace movement when you begin to understand what grace really is. Did you know you get free of a lot of things? You get free from a lot of things, and you get free to do a lot of things because Christ set you free, right? But it doesn't give you, the Bible actually says, to withstand or restrain, restrain yourself, just above this, Paul's teaching. He said to restrain yourself from certain foods and certain drinks, particularly alcoholic beverages, when you're around others that may have a conviction or an issue with that. Did you know why he said you would do that automatically without somebody telling you to do that? He said, because the love that is in you will restrain you from harming someone else. If you don't have that in you to restrain yourself from public, doing whatever you think is right, then you need to check your love level because your love level, is, it's a selfish motivation. I do what I want to do. It's free for me to do. I can do whatever I want to. Wait a second. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we restrain ourselves out of love to prevent harming someone else. 
because our love for people is greater than our love for ourselves. Did you know there's some people that if you are participating and even just drinking a wine, a glass of wine, if they find out you're a Christian, do you know that grieves them and hurts them? Because they don't, wait a second, I can't help because they don't believe, right? Stop. Paul said we're always supposed to check our love level and we're always supposed to have a heart toward those who are weaker than we are. They're not as strong in the faith as we are. Hello? Hello? That's why in public I'm very careful how I conduct myself. Why? Because there's people out there that know I'm a Christian, know I'm a pastor. There's things I can't just say the way I want to say them. Or respond the way I want to respond at the moment. Or even and be justified in doing so. Simply because I have eyes watching me. Now that pastor position is not isolated to the five-fold ministry or the four-fold ministry. That is, that is for the whole body of Christ. As the leaders go, so goes the people. We're not special. We don't have to act special. We're all supposed to be acting like children of the living God in out there. Is there some things you can do in your home that you can't do? Yes. Paul didn't put any restrictions on some of those things. But outside the home, it could harm somebody else's faith. Oh, my. So you see kind of where we're going. The problem is, Having a passion for people. A passion. And that's what I love about Paul. If we don't have a passion, then there's really no reason for us to be doing. Because doing comes out of a passion, not out of an obligation. Watch this. He says, it is my honor and constant passion to be a pioneer who preaches where no one has ever heard the anointed one. Can you imagine, you know, I've thought about it. Can you imagine going someplace and they don't even, they've never heard of Jesus? Don't you think that would be kind of hard to try to describe to them who Jesus is? They've never seen a Bible. They don't know anything about God. They don't know anything. They're heathen. They don't, they don't know anything. Wouldn't you think that would be harder? I mean, I always thought that it would be. But you know what I found out? There's power in going into those situations that we don't have talking to those who already know about Christ. Here's the written power. It's, in, it's, in, it's over in, um, it's found in Isaiah 52 and 15. Uh, and 15, uh, yeah, 52 and 15 in Isaiah. He says, those who know nothing about him will clearly see him, and those who have not heard will understand. I talk to people who go into the field ministry where no one has heard about Christ. And they go in there, and they start talking about Jesus Christ and just tell the simple plan of salvation. And those people understand it 
and have been looking for it. Indigenous people out there in the jungle. And you go, how in the world? Because God will reveal himself. You see? So, so what Paul, go, what, let's go on and see what Paul goes on to say. He said, in, this is what he does. Instead of building upon someone else's foundation. All right? There's only two kinds of ministry that's going to go on out here in the world that we're going to be involved in. We're going to be involved in new construction or remodeling. You're not going to be dealing with any kind else. There's nothing else. There's no other kind of construction to do. There's either you're rebuilding or remodeling something or you're building brand new. Even if you're putting an addition on, you're remodeling what's already been there. So it's still a remodel. New addition, still a remodel. You're only going to do two kinds of, of, of work out here when you're talking to someone. You're talking to someone, you're building on something else they already have, or you're building brand new construction. Hmm. Hmm. When you go out into an open field to look to build something brand new, you look at it completely different than you do when you go look at a home to purchase and remodel to either resell or live in, don't you? It's a completely different look. It's a completely different plan. It's a completely different approach. And you need completely, you, you might need completely different craftsmanship. Experience, much more experience possibly to go in. And you've got to be able to be observant. Really, when you're new construction, somebody else is doing the observing for you. You sit down and tell them what they want, what you want. Somebody draws up a plan. I knew an old man that built new homes in the Benton area. I'll tell you what. I, I worked with him for a little while, uh, volunteer at the church, because he built the church, and he built, the, and he built the, the, uh, the parsonage. And I had heard, I had not been around when he built the church, but boy, I had heard stories. And I, uh, I was really looking forward to getting to be around him for a while. So I'd go out there after work or before work and volunteer just to be around him to learn something. And um, being out there, I watched that man build a three-bedroom home. That home probably is pushing somewhere around 3,000 square feet, maybe a little over, with a garage. And his scraps, when he was done, he, he made a pile at one point. I said, Herman, you want me to go out there and burn that? He goes, no, don't touch that pile. That pile is my evidence of waste. And I want you to see it when I'm done. I want everybody to see it when I'm done. When that guy was done building that whole home, every piece of scrap, Rick, from that place was about that high and about that big around. And that's all the scrap was in that whole home. I'm talking roofing. I'm talking tire paper. I'm talking everything to build that home. I looked at that and thought, dear Lord, I've never, I couldn't build a doghouse and have not, <laughs> I'd have that much scrap if I was building a doghouse, you know? But this guy went into this. He'd done it all of his life. He was a craftsman. And when he went in, not one thing was wasted. When you went through that home, not one square inch of that home was wasted space. He put stuff in places that, you know, I never thought about. And in his era and in his day, he was way ahead of himself building that thing. 
And it was just one of the most interesting things I'd ever seen in my life. He didn't have hardly any nails left over when he was done. He didn't hardly have anything left over when he was done. Outside of his box of tools that he put back in the back of his truck and left when it was over with. And he was done. But he observed and planned for that new construction and built it very, 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 very wisely. What I'm trying to get at is the Bible tells us, Jesus said over here in, in Matthew, let me get the scriptures out. I'm not trying to get them out of the way. We're trying to build on these scriptures. He said in Matthew 8 and 21 or 24, he said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, whoever hears them and does them, whoever hears them and puts them to practice, you're not going to get them fulfilled. You're not going to, you know, you're starting out, you're, you're going you're gonna to get something right and you're going to get something wrong, and that's okay. But he's expecting you to hear them and then to put them to practice what you know and what you've received and what you've read revelation on. You can only put to practice into life what you have had revelation on. So you put to practice that which you've had revelation on. And watch what he said. And I will like him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat down on the house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon the house. Watch this, verse 25 and verse 27. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon the house. And the rains came, the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house. Understand there's going to be rain, there's going to be floods, and there's going to be wind. We don't get out of this life without struggle. I said it this way over and over again. It's easier to put a roof down when the weather's good. It's very difficult to put a roof down when you're in a hurricane. Preparation is the key to be prepared ahead of time. And, and what he's saying is there's only one foundation, there's only one place, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the Word. He's the anointed Word. He has to be the foundation of where we build. If you're going to assist someone in rebuilding their life, it has to be built. You, if you're going to be a part of the kingdom, if you're going to be working in the kingdom, now, if you're just a psychiatrist, if you're just a person who found something out, knows something, you're just wanting to tell people what you know, well, that, but if you're wanting to help somebody, you've got to observe that person because you're going to be building. Here in the United States, you're going to be building upon somebody else's work.
and that's a challenge. They've not been where you're at. They've not heard what you've heard. They've not experienced what you've experienced. They've not received what you've received. And therefore, they don't know what you know. And we want to get them there, you know, overnight. You know, that, that, that show where they, they remodeled or built a home and all weekend, you know. How many of you, I don't remember what the name of the show was, but you know, Home Improvements or something, I don't know. But it was, it was a, they would try to build that thing overnight. We have this expectation that because we have a truth, that if we give them the truth, then they will immediately adhere to that. And we're trying to help them. But here's the problem. You can't put in new stones if, before you take out old stones. Have you ever seen somebody try to put a foundation around a foundation? It doesn't help that house. Helps the looks. It looks good. Sounds good. From a distance, it is good. But it doesn't help hold that house up. Not at all. Because you didn't take out stones to put the stones in. I told you about my dad one time. We were There was an issue with the kitchen, and we went over there, and we had to pull out the footing, had to re-pour footing on a whole corner of a house. And before we could do that, we had to jack it up. It had to have temporary support. You know, some people need temporary support. They can't be while you're trying to, but you can't come in and give them temporary support if they don't want to pull out that foundation. They don't want to let go of what they know for something they don't know. And whatever we do, we've got to do in love and patience with the idea that we're, it's not about me, but it's about them, helping them. Because if we don't get this fixed, the rain's coming, the flood is coming, and the winds are coming, and this house won't survive. Hello? Once that starts and their foundation is on something else, anything else, it doesn't matter what you do. That house is coming down. You can't fix it now. Fixing it now is too late. Now you're just going to have to rebuild from the ground up now. That's going to take new construction. Is my making any sense to anyone here? We've got to, when we're, when we're approaching someone, we've got to understand a little bit more than just their need. Amen? If we're wanting to help them get more than just a healing. God's not involved in patch-up work. God doesn't want to patch-up work. He wants to fix it. He wants to make it new. The Bible says, create in me a new heart. He wants to reconstruct. He doesn't want to patch your heart up trying to fix the leaks. He wants to go in and re-weld the crack. If you know anything about that, when you re-weld something, that welds stronger than the product itself. He wants to come in and heal the brokenhearted. 
and bring completeness to the wounded soul. That's what his desire is. It's what his desire is for you. He does not have a plan to just patch you up and fix you for a day. His plan is to completely heal you and restore you. You know how you know you're restored? You never talk about it anymore. You never roll around in the hurt anymore. You never roll around in the offense any longer. You never throw up a banner on Facebook any longer about your hurts and how somebody hurt you and how people that hurt people are horrible people or whatever. You know what you're doing? You're still wallowing in your in your 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 destruction. You've not received your healing yet. And God's not interested. That doesn't help anyone. That's still just crying out, I'm still hurt. That's still just crying out, I, I'm still broken. Doesn't anybody care about me? You hear what that's saying? Does, see, you're, you're not, you've not received Jesus Christ in that area of your life for him to let you know that he cares for you. You've not cast your care upon him for he cares for you. You're still talking about your cares. You're still talking about your hurts. You're still talking about the wounds. Hmm. You know you've changed when you start talking about the healer, when you start talking about the wound mender, when you start talking about the broken heart mender, when you start talking about that now and what Christ has done for you. When you start looking like nothing ever happened to you, when your whole mannerisms and the way you walk and the way you talk and the way you communicate with people and, and, and no one would ever guess you were ever hurt, now you're healed. And that's where Christ wants to bring all of us, to that place where as if we were never broken to begin with. If it's in your finances, God wants to bring you to a place in your finances as if you never had a financial problem. If it's in, if it's in your inability to climb up the ladder, he wants to put you in a position where it looks like you, it's always easy for you. You must have had somebody helping you. When you and God know the only help you ever had was him. Amen? See, this is the place God wants to bring us. And when he can bring us there, we can turn around and bring others there. But we cannot bring others there by enabling them. By being obligated to them. But we've got to begin to be turned on by a passion for them. And that comes from the spirit. That doesn't come from the head. It's no different than the music that we see today. 
We were watching something the other day, and I pulled up some background. And, you know, you pull up. I, I love the old, the old musicians. Um, I was, it was one of them was, um, I, I just heard the song. And I, I was listening to the song, and I thought, well, I don't understand that song. That doesn't make any sense. And it was, uh, it was Neil Diamond talking about um, not even the couch can hear. I mean, if you don't, I don't know if you know the song I'm talking about. The, the chair, I mean, the chair couldn't even hear. Or the chair's not even talking. He's talking about um, um, I am, I, I said, I am. That's the, that's the name of the song. And he talks about no one's here, not even the chair. No one can hear, not even the chair. And I heard that, and I, uh, I've watched Neil Diamond sing. I, I like some of his music, not all of it. But there's a passion that's sung with his music. He sings with a passion. If you go back and watch some of the others, Jim Croce, passion. Man, there's a passion on the inside of them when they sing. You don't see it today, do you? It's the one thing missing. They've got great voices today. They've got, they've got great talent. The music can't get any better. The sound systems can't get any better than what we've got today. The videos can't get any better. But it's almost like it's empty. You ever notice, have, Am I the only one who notices that? It's just like it's empty. There's nothing there. There's not the passion that was in Gladys Knight. When she sang, you know, it was a, could you, you know, the passion inside of her when she sang these different singers from back then. And I look at it and I go, what, what, where's the passion? What happened? But you go back to those people and they went through something. Many of them, I read this last week, did you know Jim Croce? Never, he was working, driving a truck all the way up to the time of his death. Never knew what it was like to live on the finances of his, of his work. His family lived on the finances of it, but he was working. The contracts he had to sign and the stuff he had to go through back then, they did. now they pay him forward. Michael Jordan said the biggest, the biggest mistake right now in the NBA is these kids are coming in and they're paying them ahead of time for something they haven't done yet. When in my day, they paid you a little bit, and if you could perform, then you could have more. So there was a struggle, and you had to work to get there and fight to get there. And when you finally got there, there was a passion inside of you to, to perform. You had a fire in your belly to get there because there was resistance. Today, there's no resistance. Today, the contracts are running freely. Today, the, the money is freely. And so all we have to do is get up there and perform when there's nothing on the inside. Hello? And I'm afraid that, 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 that if we're not careful, that we need to just check ourselves. Christ is living in us. Amen? When we see someone who is needing help, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a visit, whatever it is, let's not get under condemnation, but let's ask God because before we get there, 
We need to have something to say. We need to have some instruction on what to do. Well, yeah, but Dean, we should call just because we're human beings and they're human beings. Fine, go ahead and go into obligation and go into works. That's if that's what you if that's how you want to live, live that way. I'll sit back and wait because there has to be a word that brings a breakthrough, that touches a life, that changes a situation, that turns it around. And if we can't have that, then what are we doing? Right? What I'm trying to say to you is, don't allow yourself to get caught up. Realize I'm building upon somebody else's mess here. Maybe mess. Some of them we're going to keep. Some of them we're going to let. We're going to have. Some of it's going to have to go. Right? But let's not get. Let's not get pressured into, even by our own conscience. I, I heard one pastor say, it, it just in a very simple, simply way, simple way of doing this. He said, I, I went to bed one night. He said, I, I, I read my Bible. He was just a young man. He was living actually in the basement of the church. <laughs> and he, he was single. And he, uh, he said, and there was proof of this because uh, one of the elders, he was a much older man, but he'd watch that guy. He wasn't dating. He wasn't out doing anything. He stayed in the basement all night long. So that elder was one of his uncles. So he decided, the story was, he said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sit by that one of them windows. I'm going to find out what that boy does. What does he do all night long? I mean, he's a young man. He ought to be out doing something, you know, but he's in there. He said, what I found out was he's in there praying and reading his Bible. That, he really was doing what he's preaching. He, he's in there praying and reading his Bible. But he said, one night I got done praying and reading my Bible. I set my Bible on the, on the nightstand. He said, and I laid down in bed, and I'm turning off the lamp. I turn off the lamp, and that voice came and said, you couldn't read a little more? You're tired already tonight? You couldn't pray just a little more? So he got up. He thought that was the Lord. He got up, and he started reading. Got on his knees, prayed a little more, put the Bible up, turned the light off, wrapped up in bed, getting ready to go to sleep. Voice came back. Couldn't you read a little bit more? Couldn't you tarry with me one hour? He said, that's the scripture that popped up. Couldn't you tarry with me one hour? He said, well, I got up. I got turned the light on, got my Bible. I started reading. I thought, I'm going I'm to read for a full hour now. He stayed up for an hour. Then he prayed. Went back to bed, set the Bible down, turned the light off, and the voice came back. You couldn't read just a little more. He said, then I knew. This ain't God. He said, no, he, just, he said, I was just a little Baptist boy, Baptist pastor. Now, that's no slam on Baptist. I'm just telling you where he said he came from. He said, I didn't have much training, you know, with re real, you know, the boots on the ground. I had seminary, but I didn't have anything else. He said, I, I didn't know that at that time the difference between the devil's voice, God's voice, and my voice. He said, and I said, I stopped for a second. I said, you know what? I'm not reading that Bible again till I'm hungry for it. How you like that, devil? You're not keeping me up one more hour. He said, I went several nights, didn't read my Bible, didn't pray, he said, and I got hungry. I missed it, and I wanted it, and now it was coming from within me, hungering for this. 
when I opened it up, it was like the pages, the words just came off the pages, the revelation of his word. I started receiving revelation of, of, of some stuff about God that I'd never seen before. He said, and God taught me something very valuable in that. Don't come to me out of obligation. Don't do for me out of obligation. You do everything out of hunger and passion. So it's okay for you to sit back for a little bit. If you don't feel passion and hunger to reach someone, okay, it's one thing. You can call and check on them. But be, if you don't feel hunger and passion, don't go much further to you and ask God for it. Father, what, 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 what are you trying to do here? This is someone I know. I know they need to. If you'll notice, every one of you that I've ever ministered in your, ministered in your life, I didn't come running to you. I held back waiting for passion. I held back waiting. I can have compassion and call and check on you. But I won't minister to you till I feel passion, till I feel moved. How did Jesus how did Jesus minister? He had passion. He was moved. Amen. I'm not talking about some woo-woo move, you know, some out there, I'm talking about on the inside so that whenever I go to minister, life can flow out of me into you. And God can have a word for you that you can stand on. I don't want to go with what Dean Hammonds has. How many of you want to go with what you got? You really want to go into the fire of somebody else's situation with what you got? Honestly, I don't. I'd rather go in there with what he's got. Now, he's got it. There's, there's treasure. Say it with me. There's treasure hidden in me. You've studied. You've, 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 you've received. There's treasure hidden inside of you. And it's hidden there for them. Amen? He's put it in you. He's crossed your path, and the passion is there. The passion will come because you have something in you, deposited in you, to turn around and give to them. And it might not seem like much to you because you've had it for a long time. To you, it might not seem like, but just a little bit of advice or a little bit of, a little bit of word that, you, you, that you, you functioned in and, or how you lived it or how you experienced might not seem like much to you. But it is a treasure to them. And God put it in there and let it set there in you all this time, waiting for this time with them. People you're going to come into today, that you're going to come in contact with, that's why it's very important to pray every day. The Father, stir in me that passion. And place people in my life today that I might be able to pour into. Amen? That I can pour into. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, folks, it's in you. 
When I started out this day, it, it, I started out Paul, like Paul, very proud and honored to be a part of this company because there is a gift inside of you. There is a treasure in each side of, inside of each one of you. And I love to see, I, hear, I love to hear the stories when I hear that you went and done something to touch someone else's life. I get to hear that once in a while about you. You don't talk about it yourself most of the time, but I hear about it. And it just lets me know that God, and I'm just encouraging you today to be moved by that passion. Jerry, when I hear you talk about what you do, you're moved with passion, not obligation because nobody else is doing it. Well, I guess I'll do it. it that's not a good enough reason. Be moved with passion because passion will never wear you out. Passion will never drain you. Passion will never leave you empty. Passion will never, it will never go away. It's a fire on the inside of you. And you never get wore out by it. You never feel used by it. Amen. When I'm doing it out of passion and they use me, how many of you have been done that? That'll happen. That'll happen, folks. I had one pastor tell me, I said, why does that happen? He goes, listen, if they're not using you, if they're not stabbing you in the back once in a while, you ain't doing it right. Hello? So that's going to happen. But here's the thing. When I'm moved by passion, it doesn't matter that they use me. Because I wasn't doing it about them anyway. It was about the fire inside of me. Amen? Because they used Christ. They've stabbed Christ. How many people stab God in the back? I mean, all the time. It happens all the time. All the time. Every day. Amen? He knows what it feels like. He knows how to deal with us and our hurt. I mean, I don't know how many times I've, uh, I've went to him and said, God, did you see what that person did? And he goes, yeah, really? <laughs> I was there. <laughs> really wasn't you they were sticking it to. It was really me, okay? You were just there, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot. This is not about me. This is about you. Amen. Folks, you have it in you. It is in you. There's a treasure on the inside of you. And don't, what, I, what I'm trying to do today is get the feel and the, and the root of condemnation off of you when you feel obligated to do something. There's a reason why the passion is not there yet. God may be working on the other side, getting them prepared for what they need to receive. Amen. Amen. Because you can't make anything happen. I can't make anything happen. You can't call a preacher and get something to happen. It's not going to happen. If anything's done, God's going to do it. Amen. He'll do it through us, yes. But he doesn't do it depending on us. He's got, he's got somebody else he can use if we don't want to do it. Amen. All right. But I want to be involved. I want to be there. I want to do it. Amen? I want to be involved in him. I want to, I, but I want to live by that passion. I always check that because as a pastor, I, have a, and a, a, uh, I was raised to be conscientious of my obligations. And so I'm really, I have to deal with guilt. I have to deal with condemnation from time to time. 
feeling obligated to do something. And I have to check that at the door. Sometimes I check it for a day. Sometimes I check it for a week. Sometimes I check it for longer than a week because I still feel that condemnation, that guilt, and that obligation. And when you feel that, then you're going with the wrong intention. The wrong motivation is going into that, and you're not going to get anywhere. If you want to see the power of God move, you want to see lives change, you want to see transformation take place, and God to flow through you, it's got to be by passion. By passion. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that Father, you have sent us into this world to help others. As you build our lives, we're helping others build theirs. Father, I thank you, God, that Father, we, may we never be fettered or chained to guilt and condemnation in this, this life that we live. Father, may everything we do, do out of a passion to you, a passion from you, a passion cultivated from you. Father, may it be out of a fire in our belly. Father, not, not, in, not, in, uh, um, not out of fear, not out of manipulation, not out of, 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 of trying to make something happen, but Father, out of your power, may it be by your spirit, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, Father. Father, may we see the work done in our lives. And Father, may we be set free from obligations. And Father, may we be bound to passion. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise and glory for it. Amen.